0: this morning. Uh, Things are going well. You can tell I'm still sitting down. So we're doing well. We're doing okay. We're coming along, right? But just want to make sure that we keep energy throughout the day. So excited for what God's doing in this place. And uh, we're in a series called Summit Walk. Summit Walk. And we're talking through what it means to be able to take a step-by-step daily journey with our God where we can experience Him with all we've got. Little details Little specific steps that we're going to be walking through over the course of each week. And so we're going through the book of James, a great book for being able to get those practical day-by-day, step-by-step thoughts on how to be able to experience our God, how to avoid the potholes in this world of rough things that are going on, all right? So Summit Walk, that's where we're headed. May God get all the glory and all of God's people said, all right? That said, let's turn to James chapter 3. James chapter three, starting in verse one, and uh, in fact, we're going to be looking today at uh, stepping through the pothole of hurtful words. Stepping through the pothole of hurt hurtful words. What does it mean to avoid bringing more pain into our life or into our home or into our friendships? Uh, How can we go about managing our words? That's what we're looking at today. So here we go. Point number one: respect the tongue. Respect the tongue, it can bring a world of hurt when it's out of control. Respect the tongue, it can bring a world of hurt when out of control. James chapter 3, he decides to speak on the tongue and share a little bit of his thoughts on the tongue. And as James gets into it, you can see uh, he has a a pretty scary view of the tongue and it can bring a lot of hurt with it. And so let's get started. Here we go. Verse number 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. He says, not many of you should become teachers, or as the King James says, not many of you should become masters, right? You shouldn't be longing for getting up front and being able to have an opportunity to be able to share it out. Like if everybody's going after that, I'm telling you we're headed down a wrong path. He's like, just be careful. There's a lot of responsibility that comes in sharing out in a public form, whether it's teaching in a kid's ministry or teaching in the student ministries, teaching in adult ministries, teaching or preaching from the front. Man, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it and we've got to be careful that we're not dragging down, that we're not misleading, honestly, that we're not stealing glory away from God Almighty and somehow making it about self. The goal is to make it always about the greatness of our God and all of God's people said. And he's like, just know this. It may look like there's some sweet advantage to being able to speak publicly, but the reality is there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. And just know that there is, as he says here, a judgment that comes with greater strictness with greater strictness. Now, there's some unfortunate translations to this. Some of them will say it comes with greater condemnation. Well, that that would be the negative side to the judgment, right? But there also can be positive side too. He's saying that there's just high accountability. And to the reward side and also to the negative side if there's some misuse of that position. And just being careful with it. I'm telling you, speaking three times a Sunday... 40 to 45 minutes, making sure that in all moments, the words that I'm saying are not somehow stealing away to self or taking away from God or not making clear what he's actually trying to make clear. Dude, that's a lot of responsibility. And my prayer is that every single week that I'm in this pulpit, whatever you call this where there is no pulpit, where where I'm in this thing, and that we make much of our God That he gets all the glory. And it's not about us. And all of God's people said. And he's like just be careful. Longing to be up front comes with a lot of responsibility. And uh, He says there can be a stricter uh, judgment that comes with this. He says why? For we all stumble in many ways. For we all stumble in many ways. Like all of us struggle with sin. We all, uh, everybody say all, struggle with sin. It's not just you. If you walked in today and you're like, I can't believe I have so many struggles in my life, what is wrong with me? Just so you know, James chapter 3, we all stumble in many ways. We're all wrestling with sin in various forms and fashions. Sometimes it's with our mouth. sometimes it's with our hands and feet. We all struggle With sin in many ways. How many ways? In many ways. It says, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. If you don't stumble in what comes out of your mouth, you're perfect. He's not being hyperbolic here, he's being for real. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if the heart, never once spews forth meanness, selfishness, right? Stealing away from God in some way, just wrapped up in me. If that never, ever, ever, ever comes out of the mouth, dude, you're perfect. He's like, here's another way to say it. Just so you know, things are gonna come out of your mouth. You're going to end up pretty. We all stumble in many ways, and if somebody doesn't stumble with their words, they're perfect, They don't stumble at all. So what is he really saying? You're going to stumble with your words. You're going to have moments where things come out that shouldn't be coming out. You're using your mouth to do some hurtful things, whether it be tearing down or just whining and complaining or whatever it may be. And in the moment, your heart is spewing out what it's struggling with. And in the moment of our struggle... We end up sharing forth with those around us just how ticked off or upset or wrestling we are. And all of a sudden, we begin to tear down the room. He's like, just so you know, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. You struggle with your words. That's what he's saying. Do you know that? Do you know you struggle with your words? Or are you like, no, I know people that struggle with their words, <laughs> right? We all struggle with our words, and all of God's people said, may we wrestle with that, be clear on that, be real with that, with ourselves. He says, for if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Literally, if you can keep this in check, you can keep the whole body in check, If this never goes awry, then the heart is never spewing forth. And if the heart's never spewing forth, well, then the body is never going to be led towards sin. We step into sin when our heart starts longing for something wrongly. It is a heart issue. And the biggest problem we've got when we try to control our body or when we try to control our mouth is we get into that manipulation, that muscling it thing, and we're faking it. The heart is struggling and we're trying to just prevent it from showing out. That's not what he's talking about doing here. He's saying, make sure you've got your heart in full worship of your God. And the more your heart is in full worship of your God, the less the words are going to come out hurtfully, harmfully, the less you're going to be investing yourself into sin with the body. He's like, just so you know, if nothing ever spewed out here, nothing else would go wrong anywhere else either. If your heart's in check and it never spews, wow, do you have it going on. In fact, he's saying really quite the opposite. Trust me, it's going to happen. It's going to come out. And Be careful with that. Be aware of that. He says he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now he goes into three examples here. And he uses these examples. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. His first example is the bit put into the horse's mouth. I will never forget when our older daughter, Megan, started taking horseback riding lessons. And they got her up on this giant horse, man. And I have no idea how much that thing weighed. You know, whatever, a 1,000 pounds or something. Huge horse. And this little girl, I don't even, how old was Megan? Six years old, sitting on top of the horse, takes the reins and begins to direct the 1,000-pound beast around And there's somebody walking along with her and giving her a little guidance. But the reality is just a little bit of guidance and the whole body was being moved. A small bit moves a massive body. He's like, (coughs) by the way, I still have a head cold. So just bear with me along the way. Uh, A small bit uh, leads to being able to control the whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Huge ships, strong winds, right? We're talking about sailboats. This is way back, right? They didn't have the motorboats going on, right? And so there's this monstrous sail they pull up, and it billows big, and this huge weighted ship is going along, and this little piece of wood on the back called the rudder just turns a little bit, and it directs the whole ship, little thing massive effect. That's what he's trying to get at. Little thing, massive effect. Whether it's a bit controlling a big horse, whether it's a rudder controlling a ship, says this rudder takes it wherever the will of the pilot directs. The pilot makes a decision. He turns the wheel and as the wheel turns, this little rudder in back turns and it shapes the direction of where that ship is going Next unless you're a cruise ship parked in Japan's... (laughs) Can you imagine that? And uh, that has to be rough to be sick and parked for weeks on end, right, with these guys struggling with the coronavirus. And, man, as the ship is moving, as the sail is filled, the rudder directs, just this little tiny rudder, directing where the massive ship is headed. It says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. Small thing, big effect. Now, this word boast here isn't necessarily a negative word. <clears throat> this isn't saying just saying negative, prideful things about yourself. It's saying there can be great ideas that come off the tongue as well. But the small thing called the tongue, huge visionary statements come out, massive sharing out that can lead people in a great direction or could tear down violently. Small thing, big effect. And, and it can boast of great things, dreaming of great things in the heart and then spilling that out of the mouth. You know, I was sick this last number of weeks and I'll tell you what, I watched a lot of World War II stuff. I like digging into like World War II things along the way, watched a lot of history, so watched some documentaries and when you watch Adolf Hitler speak... And this guy is going nuts. And who knows what he's saying, right? If you speak German, that's great. But he's like, you know, he's just, and as he's going off and his hair is bouncing around a little bit and he's going nuts, who knows what he's saying? And everybody is like, yes! And they're all in. And there was some pretty seriously evil things coming off of that little tongue that directed a massive nation to go completely the wrong direction. He's like, be careful, man. A little tiny thing can have massive impact. Do you grasp that the use of your tongue can have huge impact? It's a big deal. In fact, he even goes further. He talks about the bit. He talks about the rudder. He gives us a third one. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. A little tiny spark can light a whole forest up on fire. A little tiny word can devastate a soul. A wrong word spoken in the wrong timing can tear a family down, can tear a nation down. The tongue, it is definitely something we have to be aware of and be careful of and know this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Don't miss it. Managing the tongue is not about trying to keep your mouth shut. Have you ever heard that phrase? Just shut your mouth. And that that might be like a really momentary fix. Honestly, I'm not saying at times, don't just shut your mouth, right? Maybe you do need to do that. But the reality is the heart is stirring on something. Make sure that what you're contemplating, what you're worshiping, what you're praying on is being thought through. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the little thing moves and it has massive effect. Whether it be equal to the bit controlling the horse or the rudder controlling the ship or the spark that lights a forest on fire. Know this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth moves. May we be careful with our words and all of God's people said. All right, huge deal. You know, a number of years back, I actually told this story once a long time ago, but a number of years back, it was well before John and I ever met. I, I don't know if I was in late high school, or maybe it was early college, but uh, it was the 4th of July, and uh, we were out with friends. We were joking around, and it got towards sunset, and uh, we were lighting off some different things that would light up, you know, whatever sparklers and whatever else, and we had a a few bottle rockets that we were going after as well, and I had these sparklers that I got that were shaped like a star, and when you lit them up, they would start to spin as the sparkles were shot off. It would spin it in a circle. And as it spun faster, it would then rise up in the air. And then it would like fly around for a while. And you got these blue and green and yellow sparks coming off. And it was pretty tough looking. And uh, so you light these sparkle things up. I had three of them. I lit them all up at once, just kind of like right at sunset. And they like lifted up in the air. And then they like, they zipped around for a little while. And, and you know, you're ducking a little. It's cool to watch. And, uh, We were lighting these off over by uh, this kind of back railroad track area. It's 4th of July, so it was a little bit dry. Yeah, we didn't think about that ahead of time. And so these sparkling stars flew over into the grass and dropped down, and like instantly it goes, and we all of a sudden are not in awe we are ripping our shirts off and running over there and we're like trying to smack it out. We're tearing things out. One of the guys was thinking, well, he runs over and he starts cutting one of those trench lines, you know what I mean? Like stop the fire, man, he's making a firewall up. We have flames that are literally almost waist high from these little sparklers that we lit off. that lit up in the air and we're trying to even stay legal with what we're lighting off. And we about lit up 40 acres of torched grass. And we're running over, pounding this stuff down with our shirts. We finally get it all done. We're dripping with sweat. Our shirts are a little bit charred. Stuff is smoking still. We're cutting deeper trench line to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. And we're like, we need to get out of here. Right? This is a bad moment, man. This is not a place to be lighting anything off. And from the smallest of sparks can come the largest of damage how often do we view our words that we're saying as brilliant and insightful and somebody else needs to hear it when in fact they're cutting or biting or hurting they're damaging deeply simple question how are you doing with your words this past week are you watching your words as you talk with family or friends or coworkers maybe here's a couple of questions what am i saying and where am i saying it and why am i saying it the what the where and the why get a lot to the words that are being said and are they functional and helpful man be super careful jesus isn't saying don't ever ever speak like, don't use words. Like, that's not what he's saying. Everybody say, not that. But be really careful and wise about what you are saying. The what, the where, and the why. How are you doing with the use of your words? All right? Point number one, respect the tongue. It can light it on fire, right? Point number two, always be willing to apologize for our words. Always be willing to apologize for our words. Now, just so you know, the word apologize does not come up in this passage, but he talks about how much damage can be done. The recovery, man, the apology is massive. Making sure that you are sharing that out. Apologizing. and uh, He says here, Let's get a running start. We'll start at the uh, beginning, middle of verse five. It says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. You're going to get a real feel in this segment of the passage of what James thinks of the tongue. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. A few words can light a world of hurt up on fire. Be careful about even the tone in which you speak. You might be saying the exact right words with the exact wrong tone. Be cautious to that. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. It can bring a lot of pain. It says, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. You just have to camp on that for a little while. The tongue stains the The whole body. James is getting very clear and very practical here. That that you and I probably do more damage with our words than anything else we do. Our tongue stains our whole body. Why? Well, you think of it this way. When your heart starts welling up and getting a little ticked off with something or a little frustrated with something or a little bent about something or whatever, whining about something... And all of a sudden, it starts spewing out. Have you ever noticed that when you start venting words, you actually don't calm down? Have you noticed that? That's just me. Have you noticed that? Right? As you start venting, you start amping. It starts getting hotter. Like letting words out does not actually start calming the heart. And as you start going after it more and more, all of a sudden, you start getting your whole body into this thing. And now you might be really demonstrative. You might be loud. You might be yelling. You might be showing body language with it. Maybe you even pound a table or something. Your whole body is getting dragged in to your heart expressing out its disappointment with something. right? And as we get disappointed and we start, it starts tearing us down right where we stand. And be careful. Where words are many, Sin is not absent. Comes right out of Proverbs. Uh, Strong statement. So, you know, they say that uh, guys maybe have 25,000 words. These are all approximations, right? Guys have 25,000 words. Women maybe have 50,000 words. I'm just telling you I have 100,000 words. And my wife's pretty clear on that, right? (laughs) I definitely run high on the word count. Watch out, man. And the more you use the words, the more you have to watch out what you're giving vent to. And be cautious with that. And and if you're low on the word count, make sure that the words you're using and sharing are not tearing and ripping somebody else apart and they're not dragging you down. Be cautious with that. He says, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. You are literally dragged into sin by what you begin to talk about. You are dragged into sin by what you talk about. That is a huge deal. Words hurt, words control, and words disrespect along the way. The tongue uh, is set among our members. It's staining the whole body. It says, setting on fire the entire course of life. James had a bad day with the tongue. You know what I'm saying? Like when he's writing this down, somebody, he's been dealing with some words, man, and they haven't been going well. And he's like setting on fire the entire course of life. Man, I'm telling you, you are train wrecking you. You are train wrecking your family. You are train wrecking all those that hang around you as you let the fires of unrighteousness spew off your tongue. That's what James is saying. Be careful. We do more damage with this little thing than we really ever realize. Ready? And all of God's people said. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of us in this room right now where you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I do that much damage with my tongue. We have to really be careful. This is very clear biblical truth saying watch out. There's a lot of sting It comes with the words and the tone that we use and say. He says, we set on fire the entire course of life. Um, He's literally talking about that spark of fire that he just got done talking about how it sets ablaze an entire forest. And uh, it sets on fire the entire course of life. Then he kind of amps it up one more. He says, and it is set on fire by, what does it say? Hell. Hell. Dude, our tongue is set on fire by hell. What is he talking about? What is he trying to say with it? Well, I'll tell you this. Here's a couple of thoughts to it. Number one, there is a lot of demonic whisper that goes in. There is a lot of dark chatter in this world as the demonic forces whisper in things that you shouldn't believe, things that you shouldn't trust, things that you shouldn't be thinking, things that you should be thinking, and the darkness and the cutting and the nastiness and the, and the demonic whisper into our soul that twists our heart and it spews out on our tongue. It is set on fire by hell. There is demonic whisper into the soul that twists the heart and gets our tongue chattering in some direction. There is. And so on one level, he's talking about the demonic interaction, but more than that, he's talking about all that part of our heart that's echoing what God is not about. Our heart is about things that God is about, and our heart is about things that God is not about. And the things that God is not about are needing to be transformed one degree of glory at a time. And that stuff, while it's not transformed, is still spewing out of the mouth. And it is set on fire of hell. It is echoing what hell would declare out. It is demanding and declaring what Satan would stand for. It is standing against the very things of God. Our tongue spews from our broken heart that is in need of transformation and the stuff that comes out from those moments is set on fire of hell, and it tears our body down. James has a pretty low view of the tongue, and all of God's people said, Amen. and you got to hear it, we can really do damage with words. Sticks and stones, like, Where does that whole statement come from? But words will never hurt me? That is so not true. That is so not true. The damage that can be done with words is devastating. Watch what you're talking about and watch what you're saying. In fact, I just put a list down here. Top seven ways that we get into wrong use of our tongue. Top seven ways that our tongue is set on fire by hell. All right? Here we go, point number one. Whining, not worshiping. Where we're complaining about the situation God placed us in, where we don't like what somebody else is doing, where we're not happy about the weather outside, where we're not satisfied with what our boss thought, where we're whatever. Whining. Why did God allow this instead of worshiping? Right? Whining. It's probably our worst moment with the tongue. As we complain about the situation we're standing in, point number two, the second way, gossip. This is where you start talking about somebody else. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Can you believe? Now, we would like to believe that gossip is really a problem like in the younger domain, you know, in the student area, maybe in junior high or high school as they're just learning to manage some devastating pieces of info about friends and how to manage words. Gossip, it's really just a junior high problem. Do you believe that? Yeah, I don't believe that either. I'm with you. Gossip. It is a lifelong problem. Be careful. As we begin to talk, by the way, why do we want to talk about other people and what's wrong with them? Have you thought about it? It kind of takes the attention off of me and what's wrong with me, doesn't it? Maybe we should talk a little bit about what's wrong with them. And then we start getting bent on them and the gossip starts to tear down. And uh, gossip, third one, slander. What's the difference? Well, gossip may actually be dealing with what really happens. Slander is what's not happening. It's not true, but I'm saying it anyway. It feels like it's gossip. Maybe I even thought it was true, but it's untrue statements about them. Gossip is saying what's going on with them. Slander is lying about them and tearing them down. Both of them using words about somebody else. Gossip and slander, by the way, go on behind the back of a person. So now the fourth one, criticism. This goes on to their face. This is what's wrong with what you're doing. This is what you need to change. This is what bothers me about you. Criticism, tearing down. Fifth one, to their face as well, mockery. This is where you may start to use joking I was just joking. If you have to say that phrase, you shouldn't have said what you just said. Okay, everybody, I'm gonna say that again. If you have to say, I was just joking, you shouldn't have said what you just said. Fair? Please hear me. I'm not getting hard in these moments. I'm wrestling with the same things you are. And as we turn around and we do a little jab, we bring a little tease, and then it didn't go well, and so now we try to satisfy it by saying, I was just joking. A better phrase would be, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt you. Please forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. Right? Mockery, where we bring the jab and the tease. By the way, why are we doing that? Well, usually it's because, again, we're trying to bring someone down, and we're trying to keep me up. You're like, no, I'm just trying to have fun. Then jam yourself. I'm telling you, man, this is, I'm, I'm being for real. Just a little practical advice. If you want to bring the tease, tease yourself. When you bring it on somebody else and you're tearing them down, be really careful. The mockery can really hurt. And I was just kidding, doesn't make it better. All right, just so we stop right now, we're three quarters of the way through the list. So as we go out of here today and you're going home with family, and you want to begin to converse about how the tongue is used, be careful how you're using your tongue to talk about how the tongue is being used. And all of God's people said, no kidding, man. We got to be careful because the worst thing we could do is go out today saying, yeah, we got to change this. So we start hurting people with our mouth to try to stop hurting people with our mouth. Right? Let's be careful with this. Our words can be devastating. And, uh, So, whether it be the whining or the gossip or the slander or the criticism or the mockery, or now we turn a corner of the sixth one, cursing, where we take words and we start using them, filthy words, vile words, taking God's name in vain, whatever it is. And there's a lot of words that we've decided in our society that's a bad word. And you could say, well, that word begins with the letter, and then you know what word I'm talking about. Right? And we've decided that those words as a society are kind of filthy words or whatever. Just be careful with putting the foul words on your mouth. You know what's happening, right? Your heart is hurting in something. Your heart is frustrated with something. Your heart is angry with something. And you're trying to find a way to express that frustration. And the best way is to bring it into check. And we all struggle with this. Once we camp on our heart is right for hurting that way, we start letting it come out. And it comes out a bit aggressive. And we got to be careful with it. The gossip, the slander, the criticism, the mockery, the cursing. And then, last one, the coarse joking. See this one in Ephesians 5 at the beginning there. Coarse joking. This is talking that uh, talks about, you know, it talks about sexual topics. Or it talks about bodily functions. Or it talks, about, it talks about different things in various crude ways as kind of a joke element. And he's like, watch the coarse joking. Again, it's your heart camping out on some area or something as it spews forth. and So whining or gossiping or slandering or criticism or mockery or cursing or coarse joking, these things tear down in the moment. And all of God's people said, it's a big deal, man, for us to just consider how we can use our tongue well. And uh, then he goes on, he says, For every kind of beast and of bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. I love this. James is being pretty optimistic. He's like, Man, we know how to tame animals. And then he goes right after it, But the tongue cannot be tamed by mankind. The tongue cannot be tamed. And uh, this is a huge deal. All of these, no human being can tame the tongue. What's he saying? He's saying, if you decide, I should not let my mouth just cut loose on someone, and so you're going to walk around trying to hold it tight, like your heart's a little messed up, but you're just going to hold on, you're going to be like, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it. You're going to make it a number of days, or maybe weeks, and then you're going to say it, right? As you just hold on tight, right? We've talked about this before, that's just, I read it, so now I try to do it, muscling it. The game plan is not, Lord, help me muscle my tongue. No human being can muscle the tongue and win. That's what he's saying. This is a spiritual, supernatural moment as God begins to transform the heart and your heart begins to change one degree of glory at a time. And as your heart is being transformed, more of what honors God comes out of the mouth. Lord God, I'm giving you my heart transform me one degree of glory at a time it's a supernatural event as we hand our soul to him and we watch God do a work may he get all the glory and all of God's people said and it's not going to get done by you saying I'm going to muscle it Lord I'm handing my soul to you may you do a changing shaping work he says but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Man, you can tell what James thinks about the tongue, right? This thing just unleashes. And may we not constantly fill our day letting it go off on rampant, aberrant runs. A restless evil, full of deadly poison. And uh, Lord, we long for you to do a change in our lives. I'm telling you, as we long to be able to experience the power of God at work in us, as we long to be able to taste of his greatness and goodness, it is going to be largely worship. And what you're going to find is your words will be much more on par when your worship is on par. Okay? That said, so this past couple of weeks has been uh, quite the journey for me uh, being sick uh, you get dragged down with fevers, and then the stomach thing, and then the achy, and the just constantly exhausted. Uh, I couldn't eat anything, but I was hungry, so you're as hungry as all get out, and now I've got this stuff welling up in me, and you're just more, and you're kind of always a little bit bent. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever heard this before? We've talked about it around here for years past. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Have you heard that? H A L T. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Worth writing down, by the way. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you're any one of those, halt, fix the problem. If you're hungry, get a little bit of food. If you're angry, you do have to get some problems adjusted. If you're lonely, make sure that there's some connection with other people. If you're tired, make sure you're getting some sleep. Get the things addressed. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. This last three weeks for me, I was... uh, I was hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and and it made it rough, man. And it meant that the things that I talked about were things that were frustrating to me. It meant that the words that I used were a little too rough. It meant that the times where I spoke, I sometimes was way too firm or harsh. And uh, John and I actually had to have a talk about it this week, uh, earlier in the week, and. And there were some things that came down where I just had to listen to the fact that I bring too much negativity at times. And it just was too much. And it was wiping her out. Fair. Love you. (laughs) And, uh, And man, that had to come with apology. I hear you. I had to listen to it and just agree. I'm wrong. And this needs to change. And I can say I was hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and I can say I was sick, and I would love to say that that's the only time that happens. But it's more than that. Man, the tongue is set on fire of hell. And it is an evil filled with deadly poison because our heart is and it spews out. Are you willing to join with me in saying, I long to not hurt my fam? I long to not tear a situation down into the negatives. I long to put this in God's hands and watch him do a changing work in me. I'm willing to apologize when I was wrong. How are you doing with that? And I'm telling you, it will take your family in a whole new direction. And as we're heading into a marriage conference this weekend, what a great thing to have already gotten cleared up. We had a little talk about our words and our usage and how I was tearing down or hurting. And, and we did some apologizing and we're beginning to go on a journey of seeing God do a changing work. And all of God's people said, Amen. and we're not alone in this. And if you're wrestling with this right now, you're not alone. It's at least you and me, right? We're not alone in this, man. May we be careful with how we use our words. Point number three. Point number three. Seek for your words to encourage, build up, and unify rather than tear down or destroy. Seek for your words to encourage, build up, and unify rather than tear down or destroy. He starts out here as he moves into the last section. And he says, uh, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we're like, you are awesome, God. I praise your name, God. Man, I love hearing you guys sing out during the worship, both at the front end and the back end. I love hearing God being worshiped. You are glorious. We sing an alleluia to you, Lord. May you get all the praise. There's nothing wrong with that. Praise God for that. We bless our Lord and Father and, everybody say, uh uh-oh. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We're like, God, you're awesome. These people that are made in your likeness, not so much. Right? And we start to walk through how we feel about it and how we're bent on it. And instead of seeing the image of God in them, We're seeing where they're not like us or they're not doing what we would want done. And we begin to speak to that. We gotta be careful with it. We bless the Lord and Father and with it we end up cursing people and that is not where it should be. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. As the mouth spews both positives and negatives, we gotta recognize that's not where we should be. May we not be praising God and tearing down. May we not be saying, God, you're so awesome, and to the person next to me, and you're not. Instead, may we be saying, God, you are awesome, and Lord, give me the wisdom to know how to love the one next to me. And all of God's people said, don't miss it, man. The words you use are a huge deal. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brother, and these things ought not to be so. Does a spring, now he gives three examples. Remember before he gave three examples of the bit and the ship and the fire. Now he goes three more examples. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt? The answer is, the answer is no. The answer is what? Like does a spring give both fresh water and salt? Just so you know, that word fresh is actually in the Greek. It's the word gluku. Can you hear it? like glucose. It's actually talking about sweetness, this fresh water. It's so fresh, it's like a sweetness to your tongue. And he said, look, does a spring pour forth from the same one, both fresh or sweet water and salt water? No. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Answer, no. Then he says, or a grapevine produce figs? And the answer, no. No. We don't see these things bringing both at the same time. He says, neither can a salt pond, third example, a pond or a collection of water, a body of water, neither can a salt pond yield fresh or sweet water and salt. Like there shouldn't be the both pouring out. That's not the goal. The goal is that God is doing a changing work in your soul and as he's changing and shaping you, as he's taking you one degree of glory at a time. There is less and less salt and more and more sweet. There is less and less bite and more and more building up. There is less and less critical evaluation and more and more celebration. Look, for a lot of you in this room, you're leaders. And and thinking critically and evaluating what's going on with a business or a situation needs to happen but thinking only critically doesn't need to happen. And all of God's people said, Lord, I'm giving you my heart. May you change me one degree at a time. Lord, may I be building up, not tearing down. May you get all the glory. Man, as you walk through this passage, you can feel the weight of what James is saying. He's aware of the hurts that are going on in family. He's aware of the hurts that are going on in church. He's aware of the hurts that are going on in relationships one-on-one. And he's just saying this, I love you. And I'm with you in it. Let's go through this journey together where we hand our heart to our God. I'm just telling you, man, I'm looking at a lot of faces and there's a lot of heavy face right now. This is a heavy passage, right? It's a lot to go home with. Please hear me. You are not alone. You serve a God who declares out. Think of this song that we just heard sung at the offertory. Our God never fails. He declares that he is changing you one degree of glory at a time. He says beyond all measure what he begins in you, he will complete. Our God has a plan. May we give our souls to him. Lord God, take me now. I'm ready to start seeing some healing here. Man, are you in with giving your God your soul and letting it affect what comes out on your mouth? May he be praised and may those around you be lifted up. May we worship him as we see him change us one degree at a time. And all of God's people said, there's no greater problem in the church than the tongue. May we give this to our king and watch him do an amazing work. Let's pray.